So I don't know about you guys. Um, Matt, can I hand this to you, please? So I don't know about you guys. I, I don't, you know, for me, sometimes I can get real busy with the end of the year, uh, each year with the coming of Christmas and stuff like that. But it tends to be a busy time for me. Uh, and it's a busy time for me just because we're trying to close out a ministry year. We're also trying to put together a ministry plan uh, for the next year. And this is kind of the annual rhythm for us. And it's trying to put together a plan that our, our elders can feel good about, putting a plan that our, uh, our, our uh, staff can feel, feel good about. And sometimes for me, if I'm not careful, thank you, buddy. Uh, so, so, yeah, thank you. And sometimes uh, for me, uh, I can get so busy with all of that that I kind of rush through Christmas. I don't know if that makes sense for you, but... I can sometimes kind of rush through Christmas. And what I want to do today is I want to try to keep things really, really simple. Uh, I want to just kind of share with you, I want to read for you uh, the story of, of the birth of Jesus uh, from Matthew, Matthew chapter 1. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, looking at verses 18 through 25. And uh, before I read it, I just want to share with you a couple of thoughts, and then I'll read this and then share with you a few more thoughts, if you don't mind. When Matthew writes his gospel, he's writing primarily to Jewish Christians in the first century. And when he's writing to them, he wants to answer a question for them. He's trying to answer a really, really simple question. And the question is this, who is Jesus and why did he come? Who is Jesus and why did he come? And in Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25, the Bible says this, it says, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was, a, was faithful to the law, a righteous man, and did not want to expose her to public disgrace or shame, he had in mind to divorce her quietly or secretly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave them the name Jesus. When Matthew wants to share with us the story of Jesus, he tells the story of Jesus and the birth of Jesus through the eyes of Joseph. It's very, very interesting. Very, very interesting. When Luke, the Gospel of Luke, when Luke writes the story of the birth of Jesus, he tells the story of the birth of Jesus uh, through the eyes of Mary. That's something we're going to look at on Tuesday night. We're going to look at the birth of Jesus through the eyes of Mary. But today, what I want us to talk about is I want us to look at 
the birth of Jesus through the eyes uh, uh, of Joseph. And it's really interesting because when Matthew tells the story of the birth of Jesus, he tells it through the eyes of, 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 of Joseph, and he spends the first part of the chapter, he spends the first part of the chapter in this genealogy. I don't know about you, uh, genealogies, long list of, you know, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so begat, so-and-so. And I used to always kind of be a little bit bored with genealogies. And I kind of missed the point. But Matthew, when Matthew wants us to, to get this point, he goes through, and he goes through this big, long list of names. He goes through a, a long list of names. He begins, he says, this is the genealogy of Jesus. This is Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. He says, this is the genealogy of Jesus. The Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David. And what he does is he goes through and he says, Abraham was the father of Isaac, Isaac the father of Jacob. And he goes along and father of, father of, father of, father of, father of. And he gets down to uh, Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary. And Mary was the mother of Jesus, who's called the Messiah. Complete break in thought. Complete, and, and what's really interesting is, is it's called the genealogy of Jesus, and yet Jesus wasn't born. To Joseph. Why? Why would Matthew go to all this trouble? Why does he try to establish a genealogy for Jesus, tying him to David, tying him to Abraham, when in fact, to Joseph, he's not a descendant? Uh, by the way, in the Gospel of Luke, we see the genealogy of Jesus through the line of Mary, uh, where he is physically a descendant of uh, of, of, of David and Abraham. But, but the point that he's trying to make here is that all of Old Testament, the, 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 the unfolding history of the Old Testament uh, is preparing us for and pointing us to the coming of Jesus, the Messiah, the son of Abraham, the son of David. As the son of Abraham, he is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. God's covenant that he made with Abraham that through Abraham... All, and through his seed, all uh, the peoples of the earth would be blessed. All the nations of the earth, earth would be blessed. That, that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Abrahamic covenant. And when he comes down to David, that he is the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. That, that one day Jesus is the one who will rule from David's throne forever and ever and ever. But then he comes and he begins to tell us a story about the birth of Jesus. And, and when he does this, it's, it's really fascinating. He, he talks about how, how Mary and Joseph are betrothed. Uh, in our world, in, today we might say engaged, but betrothal was really more than engagement. In, in the ancient world, when you were betrothed, you were legally married. You were legally married, and yet husband and wife had not yet come together to consummate the marriage. And so what would happen is they would, it would actually be a contract. The man, the woman would be betrothed to one another, and the husband would go to his home, and then the wife, because they would be called husband and wife, would go back to the home of her father. 
and stay there for about a year until, until the husband would come for her a year later to take her to be in his home. And so what happens in this, in this time frame, this, this in-between time, in the time of their betrothal, um, Mary's found to be pregnant. And when Joseph discovers this, I mean, he would probably, like any other guy, who found out that the woman he loved was pregnant and he wasn't the father. But the Bible tells us that, that Joseph was a righteous man and he didn't want to shame her, so he decided that he would divorce her quietly. And then Joseph has this dream where this angel speaks to him and the angel tells him, don't be afraid. Because the child that's conceived in her womb is conceived by the Holy Spirit. You see that, that what, ha- what happens here is that that, that Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of a virgin. She was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And so what happens is, and what, 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 um, what Matthew says, is he, we read about the dream, we see the dream, and, and then what Matthew says to his audience, remember, first century Jews, first century Jews, who were very, very steeped in the Old Testament. They knew the Old Testament really well. Far better than most of us, Okay? They knew the Old Testament like the back of their hand. And so what what Matthew says to them, he says, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord said to the prophet, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah chapter 7. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Now, interesting. I don't know if you've ever asked yourself this question. Why Why does Matthew make this reference to Emmanuel when Jesus is never called Emmanuel? And in, if you go back to the 8th century B.C., what was happening in Israel is there were two nations. The nation of Ephraim, which would be the northern kingdom of Israel, was in, and also the nation of Syria were threatening to invade Judah, the southern kingdom. And at that time, the king of Judah was a guy, uh, was a guy named Ahaz. And Ahaz was, let's put it this way, oh, we'll just say he's an evil king, okay? He's one of the bad guys. And so he's afraid because they're threatening this invasion. The people are afraid. And God sends Isaiah to Ahaz, and he says to Ahaz this. He says, he says Ahaz, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Because, uh, because I'm, not gonna, I'm gonna stop these two countries. I'm not gonna let them invade you. And then what God says to Ahaz through Isaiah, he says, ask me for a sign. You can ask for a sign. As high as the highest heavens, as low as the, uh, the deepest of the depths, ask me for a sign, and I'll give it to you. And so Ahaz, trying to be super pious, says, oh, far be it for me to test God, asking for a sign. And God's response through the prophet Isaiah to Ahaz is this. He says, isn't it enough that you try men uh, it, the patience of men, will you also try the patience of God? And he says, I'm going to give you a sign, and this is a sign, that the virgin, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a child. His name will be called Emmanuel. And before he knows the difference between right and wrong, uh, I will bring destruction on these two nations through the nation of Assyria. And so what Matthew is doing is he's looking back on a historical moment where God had prophesied through Isaiah to Ahaz. But now what he's doing is he's saying that 
Whereas there was a young unmarried woman who had a child. Today, Mary, a virgin, not just at the time of the announcement, but a virgin at the time of the birth, would give birth to a child who would be called Emmanuel. You see, because Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit, because he was born of a virgin, he is conceived by the Holy Spirit, fully God, born of a virgin, fully man. And because he is fully God and fully man, he is Jesus. Emmanuel means God with us, fully God, fully man. And Jesus means the Lord saves. He's the Lord who saves us. Uh, Jesus, the whole point of this is, what does it say to us today? Is that what, what, what Matthew does is he answers these two questions. Who is Jesus really, and why did he come? Jesus is fully God, fully man, Emmanuel, God with us. And why did he come? Jesus, he is the Lord who saves. You see, Jesus, in our world today, a lot of people will acknowledge Jesus. They will. They will. A lot of people will acknowledge Jesus as a good man. A lot of people will acknowledge Jesus as a prophet. A lot of people will acknowledge Jesus as some kind of of, a very important spiritual figure. But the picture that Matthew gives us is very different from all of that. He's much more than a good man. He's much more than a prophet. He is the fullness of God, the fullness of man. The Lord who saves. There's a guy by the name of Michael Green. He's written a commentary on the book of Matthew. He's written a bunch of other books as well. And Michael Green says this, and I really liked it. He said, Jesus is no mere teacher. He's no mere teacher. He's no guru. He's no Muhammad or Gandhi. He is God with us. That is the essential claim on which Christianity is built. It is a claim that cannot be abandoned Without abandoning, the, uh, without abandoning the faith in its entirety. That Jesus is the fullness of God, the fullness of man, God with us, uh, the Lord who saves. Let's pray. God, today I want to I say thank you. Uh, I want to thank you for the manger and what it represents. I want to thank you, uh, Lord Jesus, that you being the fullness of God took upon yourself the fullness of our humanity. I want to thank you for the manger. God, today I want to thank you for the cross. I want to thank you, Lord Jesus, that you went to the cross, fully God, fully man, taking the fullness of my sin with you on the cross. God, I want to thank you for the empty grave. That, that, that Christ has defeated the power of sin. That Christ has defeated the power of death. Uh, and that by this we can be saved. I want to talk to you more a little bit, okay? And this morning, I think uh, a lot of people go to church. A lot of good people go to church. But good people don't go to heaven. Did you know that? Good people don't go to heaven. Uh, Religious people don't go to heaven. Religious people don't go to heaven. I mean, you just read through the Gospels. It's not religious people who go to heaven. Moralistic people don't go to heaven. 
Moralism doesn't get us into heaven. Being good doesn't get us into heaven. Being religious doesn't get us into heaven. Going to church doesn't get us into heaven. Reading our Bible doesn't get us into heaven. Being a part of a group that discusses the Bible doesn't get us into heaven. But Jesus, fully God, fully man, without sin, taking our sin to the cross, going to the cross, dying for us, being raised again. That's what gets us to heaven. And today, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you not to put your hope in being good, not to put your hope in going to church, not to put your hope in being religious. Today, what I want to encourage you to do is put your hope, uh, fix your hope, your belief, your faith firmly in the one and only Savior of the world. Uh, Today, if you have not yet done that, I just want to encourage you to say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying for me, for my sins. I ask you to come into my life, forgive me of my sins, make me the kind of person you want me to be. Today, if you make a commitment like that to Christ, I'd like you to share that with me before you leave. Let Let me close in prayer. God, today, I don't know who's here. I mean, I know a lot of people who are here, but I don't really know what's going in the heart. Uh, of every person who's here today. And Lord, I, I don't know, maybe today there's someone here who's with us who, who maybe they've been putting their hope in the wrong things. And being good, being religious, going to church, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, but today, they want to put their hope uh, and fix their hope firmly in Jesus. And so I pray, God, that you would work in that person's heart and that today they would make that decision and you would save them. Uh, I want to commit the rest of this morning to you in Christ's name.